Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the Fateful and for the Fateful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton. I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hello, David. How are you tonight? Good, Bruce. The order's off to a perfect start to the season. Perfectly rancid. Another loss to the Vancouver Canucks. A much better effort by the Edmonton Oilers. Bruce, we had the grade A shots in this game. 21 grade A shots for the Oilers. Six for the Vancouver Canucks. But the uh, Oilers managed to lose this one four to three, mainly on the back of a number of frankly appalling defensive miscues by veteran defensemen uh, is my call on this. Just appalling. And um, we're going to get into a few of them. Bruce, this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. And because uh, we're ticked off, we're going to go with two bad things each. Let's start off with, with your good thing, though. What is your good thing? Yeah, I'm going to pick uh, Connor McDavid out of this game <clears throat> as uh, just being a constant force, uh, mostly for good. Uh, very, very... Uh, uh, he was very, very unlucky in this game. Let's let's put it this way. Uh, and there's so many incredible numbers from this game that I have other numbers for our numbers. I'm going to drop some in here. McDavid was on the ice at five on five, 25 shot attempts to three for the Oilers, and the score zero to one. <laughs> He's minus one in this game with a goal and assist. Uh, eight shots on net, four hits, you know, and all over the ice. But that's not the half of it, David. By the time you get into all situations, which includes power plays and everything, okay, McDavid played 26.07 tonight, 26.07. And according to Natural Stat Trick, he was on the ice for 54 shots by the Oilers and four by Vancouver, 54 to four. It's Corsi? It's Corsi in this game, 54 to 4. And, I mean, there's lots of other incredibly good ones. Uh, but, I mean, Nuge was 43 to 9, for instance, but uh, 54 to 4. Uh, Fenwick, unblocked shot attempts, 36 to 2. The other guy's got two shots uh, towards the net that didn't get blocked. One of them went in the frickin' net. Go figure. And uh, for uh, 27 2 in shots, 30 to 1 in scoring chances and 8 to 1 in high danger chances, which are the ones I put a lot more stuff But you in. know, Bruce, when mm-hmm. it came to individual contributions, he only made three to grade A shots at even strength. And okay, he even. made yeah, no mistakes. This mistake. is all situations. All oh, situations. this is all situations. Well, the the Oilers had 30 each. chances on the when he was, was out there. And Vancouver seven. had one, and they scored. Yeah, he he was flying. Unfortunately, huh. Matt, he is with two line mates who are just really, really struggling mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Evander Kane looks too slow with iffy hands at this moment. You know, he could change. He's playing physical hockey. He's trying. Oh yeah. But I'm starting to get that. I hate to say this, that Milan Lucic vibe of the power forward who's lost a step. And it's early to say that. So it's just a, that's just a vibe. I'm not saying that's where he's at in his game, but I'm starting to get a little vibe-ish about that. I'm not, I, I'm worried about it, Bruce. And, and mm-hmm. um, 
you know, he's had those major injuries last year. It, um, he has looked sharper in preseason with the puck. He's had mm-hmm. some good moments. But, um, you know, to play with McDavid, you have to play at a very high level. And you've got to handle the puck well. Yep. And whether or not he may not, you know, we'll see. We'll see. And Connor Brown, again, coming back from an injury, uh, major injury, uh, missed pretty much all of last year. I mean, he was not good this game. He made a, we'll, we'll talk about the winning goal in a, in a little bit. I'll leave that for you then. But okay. he he just was not, he zero contributions and even strength to grade A shots. Same with Kane. They didn't make one contribution to a grade A shot playing with Connor McDavid at even strength. On a night, McDavid was flying out there. <sighs> and he was, he's frankly held, it's like two, you know, two cement blocks on his back right now with those two guys. They've got to find a way. And maybe the idea, move up um, Fogel and Holloway to play with McDavid at this point. You know, um, those two guys were flying out there and making all kinds of plays and looking dangerous, So as was Ryan McLeod. That that line was, you know, the, the dry settle line was fantastic, but but uh, McLeod line was also good. But, um, yeah, they're just not up, you know. Anyway, it's still early. Brown and Kane obviously can turn things around. I, I certainly expect that to happen with Connor Brown. Um, he has he did look good in the preseason, uh, very good at times. Um, Kane, I'm... Um, I just you just never know when it comes to players power forwards that age an injury you just never know and the drop off could be quick abrupt and uh, fairly painful for a team so we'll see what happens there. Bruce, my good thing was Leon Drysaddle. I just thought he mm-hmm. was he was the best player, Oilers best player. First shift he came out there, he drills Tyler Myers. He it's always a great player when you use the other players' momentum to push them into the boards. He gave the he used the old slingshot momentum, slingshotting Myers into the boards, wins the puck, puts it out front to RNH who, who almost scores. It was disappointing that he didn't, honestly. Great but they fortunately they, they win the puck back and they're just totally um all over them. <clears throat> RNH and Hyman and they're working away and slamming shots in the net and dry settle finally puts it in. Uh, a moment later. On the power play, he almost made it two nothing with his with his executioner shot. Um, just slammed it at the netting. This Smith just got lucky, frankly, a frantic glove save, and he stopped it all night long. Drysaddle um, was excellent on defense. Not one mistake in any situation on a great mm-hmm. A shot against. Um, six caught major contributions at even strength to great A shots, and six on the power play. He was, Leon Dreisaitl was fantastic. The only thing he wasn't able to do was to drain another goal, to score another goal. Um, and he came close uh, many times. There there was one, I think this was in the second, yeah, where Bouchard came in, Nuge set him up for a good snapshot and um, Dreisaitl. I think someone else, I think one of the Canucks players actually might've got his stick on that shot, but he, it looked like a wide open net from the slot. <clears throat> so Leon doesn't miss those much. So I, I think that might've actually been tipped somewhat, but he was, he was working hard. He was physically involved. He was dominant, Fair utterly much. dominant. The Canucks had no answer for him. And he's, he certainly deserved better this game. You know, most of the forwards actually deserved better. They, it was a, it was a very strong effort by the forwards. You manufactured 21 grade A shots, even though they did get seven power plays, you get 21 grade A shots. You've had a really great game on the attack. And Leon led the way in that regard. Yeah, yeah, it was one A and one B for sure for uh, 
for Oilers, but uh, yeah, Leon was uh, very strong. Uh, he lost a couple of big face-offs in the third that was disappointing. They had uh, they had a great chance in Vancouver territory with maybe six minutes left, and they put him and McDavid over the boards together, and he lost that draw, and they never got the puck back for basically the whole rest of the shift. By the time they finally got it, they had to shoot it in and change up. And when you're at that stage of the game where you got maybe three shifts left, face-offs at the flip of a coin at any time, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so, but that was not a good time to not win it, let's put it that way. Yeah. And then a couple at the end with the goalie out as well. Bruce, what is your bat first bad thing? Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm going to have a little caveat, but uh, only a little one. Uh, the owner's got to get some saves. And they didn't get any from Stuart Skinner in this game really at all. I mean, we had the grade A shots at 21.6. Natural Statric had the high danger shots at 21.7. Like we're almost in perfect accord. That doesn't always happen, but sure did tonight. Because we and measure different but, things but, than they by, do. Yeah, but yeah. They, 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 they measure shots at net. We measure them right. on net. Right, and they measure where where the shots are from, and we try and take into account things like Lots the dynamics of, of the play. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Usually, if it's one-sided for one, it's also one-sided for the other, and that was certainly the case tonight. And by either measure, Stuart Skinner didn't have a lot of work to do, and yet like, Vancouver got four goals on him. And, and they had uh, um, uh, in the caveat that I mentioned up front, and I'm going to give them, is that by our measure, the orders gave up six grade-A shots, but they also gave up six five alarm shots. Every single one of the chances they gave up was a, a very dangerous chance. Uh, two times, well, well, we'll talk about the goals in more detail, but the first three Vancouver goals were scored by guys that were behind the Edmonton defense and had nobody between them and the goalie. Two deflections and a two-on-zero breakaway. Uh, but still, I thought Skinner overplayed the two-on-zero breakaway, and I thought he... Uh, uh, he wasn't just simply wasn't good enough on the game-winning goal scored by one uh, Sam Lafferty, uh, sort of a fourth liner for Vancouver. I mean, he had some wide speed uh, going around Ekholm, but he was, you know, off to the side, and he picked a corner and beat Skinner. And then you <clears> look <throat> down at the other end, and you got some dude named, uh, remind me, Casey DeSmith. I'm, I'm exaggerating for effect. I know who Casey Smith is, but he's just sort of a guy. And when it comes to NHL goalies and here, he's stone and dry little McDavid left and right, you know, making these big stops off of Oilers stars from the slot and Vancouver are scoring goals from the wings or from distance and everything's going in. I mean, sure. The deflections are hard to stop, but I mean, where's the save? The Oilers needed at least one, save in this game and you know I, the I, one they really needed was on the fourth goal when Hoagland oh, that was so in. Bad. they really needed you know i mean you're gonna get mm-hmm. to the goal like what leads up to it but man the yes. smith made that save all night long that yes. tough save on that play he made and skinner, saves in that right after that skinner just needed to make that play and, and mm-hmm. he needed to make that save they needed it it was a hard save but he just had to have that man come on Bruce, uh, my first bad thing. I think I'm going to call this the single worst play of Darnell Nurse's career. 
And seriously, and you know what? I'm not on the run them out of town bandwagon. I never have been. I've been no, like a major not. defender of Darnell Nurse. But come on. You are a veteran NHL defenseman. Your fundamental job now is to prevent goals against. We got lots of guys on this team that can score. You Darnell Nurse has got to lead the way in shutting down the other team and not allowing goals against, and especially on a play like this. This is the play, Bruce. There's three forwards rushing the puck. All kinds of guys. Fogel's taking it down the wing. Three guys are up there. Okay, Cody Cece, for some reason, decides he's going to join the play. So he moves into the slot. He's not needed. They don't need Cody Cece to do that. It is a terrible play by Cody Cece because there's no reason for him to join the play when you've got three forwards up in the attack. It was ghastly, his decision. But then guess what happens next? Darnell Nurse thinks, well, what's better than four guys on the rush? Five. He charges right up into the play. He's He sees CeCe. He's got to see the play in front of him. He sees CeCe charging up there. There's four guys, and he thinks, oh, we need five guys at the net. And he charges in there. It's a 2-2 hockey game. They have just tied the game. And he charges up there like he's a peewee idiot. Like that was the most idiotic play I have ever seen him make. And for a veteran player, that is completely unacceptable. That is shameful. And he should have been benched. I would have benched him if I was the coach. Send a message to him. You have got to get your head out of the butt. You cannot make these plays this year. So I'm a little bit hot there, Bruce. I'm a little bit hot. I can't believe I can't. Oh, anyway. So what happens next? Fogel decides that he's going to shoot the puck. He's got four passing options. He's going to shoot the puck, and he he misses the net. He goes ringing around the boards. Mm-hmm. And where's Darnell Nurse? He's in the high slot as the puck goes shooting fast around the boards. And two, it's a two-man breakaway at that point. Mm-hmm. He, sh- he should have been benched. They should have benched him for him and CeCe for two or three shifts to send a message to those guys. That, that is not acceptable. And I don't care if it's early in the season still and they're like, whatever. The Oilers have problems with defense all last year in these kinds of situations. You just can't have him do that. And I don't know what he, what his explanation is. I mean. Well, they did get benched for a minute and 37 seconds till they came back out there. But, yeah, that's not really message sending territory, is it? So. Yeah, it, yeah, it was. Uh, but both defense have been jumping up in the rush. Like, what are you thinking? Seriously, and and it's it's. I mean, this is the line I I'm telling you from the start, and I'm going to keep saying it until they make a liar out of me. <laughs> and the the line of Fogel and Cloud and Holloway are going to create a ton of chances, and they're going to miss almost all of them. So why choose that time to be taking unnecessary chances, right? It's not like you're driving the front of the net because Leon or Connor is going to throw a butter feed right on your stick for a tap-in, right? I mean, it's Warren Fogel, yeah. for sake. It's Warren Fogel. What do you think is going to happen? Exactly. What do you think is going to happen? He's going to try like, hard, and it's probably not going to go in the yeah. net. It's what's going to happen. I mean, I like Warren Fogel fine. 
But that's not the time to be opening yeah. up the, the defensive stops. You want to come out of their part of the game 0-0 zero, zero, because you're probably going to get zero. So the other guys are going to need to get zero as well. Think defense. And I hated the play because I'm a Darnell Nurse fan. I'm cheering for this guy. Mm-hmm. And this just plays into the narrative of his big critics, that he makes bad decisions on the ice. Mm-hmm. And and really, <laughs> that was like the worst, you know, that was like the worst decision I've seen in years in hockey. It was just like, I don't know if I've seen that play, like a two-on-nothing breakaway. Like Tyson Berry, when he first came to the Oilers, he made all kinds of bad pitches all the time. And then he finally mm-hmm. realized. And he kind of figured it out. Right? Then he, he totally figured it out. He he hardly made that kind of play in his last year and a half with the Oilers. Really give him credit. Well, I give but, the coach's credit that when you make a bad pinch on the Oilers now, it's a two-on-two, and it used to be a two-on-one that you so oftentimes scoring chances do not ensue because the forwards in better position. That's true, Bruce. That's, that's true. Um, <sighs> but Barry, Barry did noticeably improve. He really yeah. did, and um, you know, Nurse isn't actually known for bad pinches necessarily. He 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 can rush the he, like he he can gen, he can join the play with a rush mm-hmm. like sometimes and. Get, make a bad play that way but like the bad pinch isn't really his main part of the repertoire actually this kind of play wasn't more it wasn't of a, really wasn't really a, pinch, a bad pinch. this was actually in his repertoire of bad plays where he gets over enthusiastic on the attack joins the rush when he shouldn't and isn't you know i don't know what they're telling him but they should just tell him darnell your job is your job is to have zero goals against every game mm-hmm. and the closer you come to the bat that the more we love you and zero grade A shots a game would be would like, you know, we'll be off the charts ecstatic about it if you can achieve that. And he was actually fairly good the rest of the game. Nurse didn't make any other major mistakes all game long. Um, and he, he actually contributed to three chances. But, you know, it's such a colossal mistake in a key moment of the game that um, I'm highlighting it, as you uh, all just heard. Bruce, what is your second bad thing of the game? Yeah, well, it's got to be that that game-winning goal in the in the third, and we've already talked about aspects of it. Uh, but uh, the play really started down in Vancouver end, and it, it came round to uh, Connor Brown's spot on right wing um, along the boards, and because it was along the boards, he couldn't quite see how the puck got through him, whether he's whether he actually tried to touch it back to the point and didn't put enough on it or he just couldn't handle a, what should have been a fairly routine puck around. All of a sudden now Vancouver's breaking out two on two and the Oilers are kind of going the wrong way. And one of the guys going the wrong way is Matthias Ekholm playing his first game of the entire season coming off of a, a reported hip flexor injury. And if I didn't believe before that he had a hip flexor injury, after watching that play, I believe that uh, he does. He looked a little slow and sluggish, and he was kind of burned around by Sam Lafferty, who's a pretty fast skater, uh, and did allow a shot from the, you know, the the, uh, inside of the faceoff circle. It wasn't a direct shot on net, and yet somehow that shot was able to beat uh, Stu Skinner and... uh, uh, Skinner, if I'm thinking of the right goal, he was kind of already down when the shot was let go and he couldn't really react to it. And Lafferty made it, you know, an okay shot, but man, oh man. So between Brown's play, um, Ekholm's play, and Skinner's play, 
That was the that was the ball game. That was the winning goal early in the third period. Two yeah. two fifty six of the third, and it just stayed four three the whole rest of the way. After uh, yeah, it just it just seemed like the goals that Vancouver got were like a couple of them were just free goals. We're gonna I'm gonna get to that here. Yeah. You know, Ekholm. I don't know if we saw him get beat like that in the games that he played for the Oilers last year. He's clearly a step behind. He's clearly preseason form. Kulak's still rounding into shape. Both these guys were injured in the preseason. So, I mean, obviously not a a good play. Defenseman's nightmare is to get beat by a a speedy winger like that on the open ice, and that's what happened. And It was just a – it wasn't a mental error, though. It was a physical error. (laughs) <laughs> and, um, you know, obviously, if you have too many physical errors, you can't play in the NHL either. But Ekholm's going to get up to speed and not make the physical error. Right. And, um, or adjust with the speed that he has so he doesn't get beat on plays like that. But hopefully he'll get up to speed and be the player that he can be and um, shut down that kind of attack. The two other goals, are the, the uh, or excuse me, two, yeah, the, um, the, the uh, I guess the first... And the third goals were both what we call the dreaded Californian. First and second. First and second. Yeah, okay. These are the, um, yeah, first and second. These are the um, named because San Jose and Anaheim used to execute these kind of NLA, used yep. to ex- execute true. these goals all the time during the decade of darkness against the orders. And mainly, you know, comes to mind is Brent Burns to Joe Pavelski. <laughs> Brent Burns with the outside shot, tipping it in. There was also other guys though, like um, Corey Perry was good at the Californian. Mm-hmm. Dustin Brown, Drew Drew Doughty. You know, there's all kinds of practitioners who are quite expert at it, mm-hmm. and they're really frustrating goals because you can be doing a lot right in your defensive coverage, and you just allow an outside shot, and bam, it's in the net because some guy gets a stick on it in front of the net. And the orders mm-hmm. um, first two goals were that they one on the power play, and it was a tough one. I mean, it's Quinn Hughes, who's very fast moving around there, and he buzzed the oh. shot in there. And Janmark might have been able to get in the lane, and, and Philip Broberg might have been able to get, you know, he's got to also look for the one-timer on the other side. So, mm-hmm. like, it's it's just, it's a very tough play when, when they execute it so well, which they did. You, you know, you hope the, the goal, like, someone will save that play. Someone will stop that play, but not to be. The next one was even a little worse. There was quite a few defensive breakdowns, including a terrible turn- turnover by uh, Zach Hyman, his only big mistake of the game. But it it was the started off the sequence of pain on that second goal, and it was an ugly mistake where Nuge passed him the puck and he just muffed it. He just lost it, keeping the puck in the zone. And there's an outside shot that Nugent Hopkins was slow to cover, get in front of, and Kulak failed to t- tie up the stick at the side of the net. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Again, another Californian, another tough play, another one where Skinner doesn't have a chance. But you just can't. You gotta. You get <coughs> the forward has got to block that shot. Don't don't give him a clear shot, and the defenseman tie up the stick or the goalie make the save. Like one of those three things has right. to happen, or you're going to get a lot of ugly goals scored against you. And I'd argue the goalie. I mean, it is very hard to to stop, especially the mid-air tips that both of those goals were tonight. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like Oilers have already given up like five goals on deflections. There was a few the other night. I'd have to go back and look in our thing, but there was yeah. a few the other night. And there was two tonight, both mid-air deflections, and both times the guy was behind, 
the entire defense. So the defense was fronting the shot, which they didn't block, and they didn't challenge the guy in the slot. Now, one was on the power play where they've got an extra guy, and often that's the net front guy. The other one was five on five. And Nils Hoglander was alone behind the defenseman for the for the deflection. And to me, what the goalie's got to do in, in, in those situations is just make himself as big as possible, get as close to the you know the conflict point where the puck is going to get to. Yeah. Get, you know, make himself big on that deflection point. And, I mean, the odd one's still going to find that hole somehow, but I, I just think it's a sense of Skinner being big in the net really all game. You know, and he's he a big guy, good. and that's his game. You know, he's got he's got to find that. Yeah. So. I agree, Bruce. It was, uh, you just need a save on one of them, right? You know, mm-hmm. these are hard shots, but just, just a yeah. couple more big saves. He did make a couple big ones on um, Connor Garland early in the second. There, that was two shots in a, oh, in a couple in a row, yeah. Two in a row, and he bo- stopped both yeah. those, which was really good. And I was thinking, okay, mm-hmm. the Oilers have got it turned around here. And then, of course, same sequence. CC oh. Nurse, yeah, just later in the same shift, CC and Nurse both just go uh, AWOL. So those okay. two off of Garland, those are the only two of the six then. That he stopped of the great A shots, right in a row, and then and the the play didn't even. That was end it. The, that was it. Wow. Well, I said to my son, you know, he said the Oilers got goalie tonight, and I said they got double goalie. Yeah. And because they had a, they had a weakness uh, in that, and Vancouver had a strength, and here's the statistics, prove it for all you fans of expected goals out there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Five point two for the Oilers. 2.1 for Vancouver. So let's call it 5 to 2. So the Oilers underperformed by two goals of what was expected uh, offensively, and the Oilers underperformed by two goals from what was expected defensively. And where they played well enough to win by three, they ultimately lost by one based on, you know, actual goals, you know, which obviously are what decides the game. All these other numbers are just analysis. But the analysis here is the Oilers are by far the better team. And they didn't, you know, their their finish, both offensively and defensively, let them down badly. Ours, our expected goals from our count is almost exactly the same as that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. What's your number? My real please? number? Now that I've spewed out a few, this is not the numbers from this game are quite amazing. So, uh, but mine is my number seven fifty which uh-huh. is save percentage of the Oilers right now. Uh, in the first game of the season, Jack Campbell stopped 12 out of 16 shots for a 750 save percentage. Stu Skinner came on halfway through, and he also stopped 12 out of 16 shots for a 750 save percentage. And tonight, Skinner played the whole game, still only faced 16 shots, still only stopped 12 of them for a 750 save percentage again. The whole team has a 750 save percentage. Ouch. Bruce, um, my number is zero for four. Leon Dreisaitl was able to launch four one-timer shots. I call it the executioner shot. The way he lashes his stick like he's going to chop the goalie's head off with it. Lashes the stick at the net at the one-timer. Four, I think he hit the post once. Actually, there was five. because There was five because one of them got blocked by the defenseman. And so zero for five, um, four of them hit the goal. Uh, 
And one of them was this the miraculous frantic save. One hit the post and two, two of the goalie stopped and then one of the defenseman stopped. He usually scores, I think it's about somewhere between 33 to 40%, close to 40% of those shots went in last year. It's the number one weapon in the NHL and he got off four of those shots, five of those shots, didn't score once. That is bad luck. Um, that's real bad luck. So... Uh, Good for Leon getting open. Good for the Oilers finding him. Everything was working, and he just yeah. mad if he had scored that second one, eh? Yeah, just on that second one early in the first period, that would have been sweet. Some of the sequences, like the Oilers had the puck on the string at times, and they were really zipping it around. Yeah, and unfortunately, the uh, uh, the great Casey DeSmith was just a little too tough. This reminds me so much of a game last year that I went to, and I was just so upset after the game, and it wound up costing them first place, where they outshot Anaheim 49-17 to and lost 4-3 in regulation. Same score. Just couldn't get the fourth one and couldn't keep the fourth one out of their net. And it was like the third period, the shots were like 23-2. And one of the two went in, and that proved to be the game winner. And it was the same kind of game. You think, how is this even possible? You could play this game 100 times, and they'd win it 98 times. So how did they manage to lose it this one time? <laughs> I mean, it's always possible, but holy moly. They, uh, uh, the good news from tonight's game is they played way better. And if they play that well, uh, uh, they're going to win well, I won't say 98% of the time, and I will say 75% of the time. Mighty Casey did not strike out. No. People, I, that, that poem, you don't hear that poem very much anymore, do you? Like, that was, like, uh, kind of often re- referenced in the 70s. Casey at the bat, yeah. It's, it's kind of forgotten. It's kind of a forgotten early 20th century uh, bit of writing. Who wrote There's that? no joy in Mudville. Mighty Casey has struck out. Uh, I Kate should. Herbert? I should and oh, I don't. Paul Gallico? Uh, Casey yeah. at the bat. Let's just yeah. go. Yeah, that's fine. I'm curious now. He's by Ernst Lawrence Thayer. Okay. Well, baseball, baseball has inspired much great writing and some of it's even poetry. 1888. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's I another I, one. I, I became a baseball fan mainly through, like, partly through the writing about baseball. I mean, it used to be such great writing about, I don't know if there still is because I don't follow it, but I mean, Roger Angel and uh, people like that writing about baseball, it was mm-hmm. just magical. Um, the writing that was done in the, in the 70s and 80s and 90s on baseball. I don't. 60s. I don't know if they're still '60s, like all mm-hmm. throughout the history of baseball. I don't know if that con- has continued to this day. That kind of that kind of lyrical, so-called lyrical sports writing is kind of it's a thing of the past. Like honestly, it's it. You don't. It's it's all about numbers now, and and ball, including ball, us. Ball four. There's a lyrical some lyrical writing for you, <laughs> Jim Bouton. Yeah. My, my favorite is a book called "The Glory of Their Times" by Lawrence Ritter that uh, in the mid-60s, he realized that some of the really old guys that played at the turn of the century and just beyond were getting up there in age, and he just 
put his notebook in his car and he drove around the United States visiting all these guys and getting their oral stories. So the words are all theirs. I mean, he added some obviously a little bit. And it's all these different viewpoints of these same times and not just in baseball, but, you know, in America, like there were, there was so much going on at that time. And then it was a real eye opener, a really culturally rich book that is wonderful stories about baseball. Jim Booten's ball four has, I think the, the last line it's has stuck with me all these years. And it's something like this. This is not what it was, but uh, he had pitched for like 20, 30 years. He was a knuckleballer, right? And he, mm -hmm. he retired. I think he came back, Jim Booten. And, and his last line was something like, you know, all those years I thought I had my grip on the baseball, but actually the baseball had its grip on me. It's the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and uh, yeah, I just thought that line. was a very great line from him, which describes, uh, you know, how it is for, for so many of these mm -hmm. players, I think. Yeah, hockey writing has, has not been at the same level. There's been some great hockey writing, too, but... Um, anyway. Still waiting for a player's diary, like... Uh, like uh, uh, Jim Bouton's Ball Four, or Jim Brosnan's The Long Season, or Pennant Race, or uh, Jerry Kramer's Instant Replay in football is another example of a day-by-day -day sort of diary uh, report. And I just, I'm still waiting for a hockey player. Well, the, the game by Ken Dryden, Bruce, is, is not it? a diary, right. but okay. it is a fantastic Wait, No, that, that's, that's... It really a, is. It's just not and, quite the uh, format that I'm thinking, but... Yeah, fair enough. All right, we got a little off track, but um, there you go. Bruce, it's a long next? season, David. That's the name it's of that book, season. The Long Season. And the orders are 0-2, and they've only got 80 games left. So it's not quite long season? time to panic. Oh, Jim Brosnan, a pitcher. Jim Brosnan, that's for right. The, uh, yeah, for the Pirates. Yeah, that's right. All right. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Uh, Flyers, Philadelphia Flyers? Uh, Phillies. Phillies. Oh, Flyers. Yeah, Phillies. <clears throat> yeah. I don't watch baseball. I haven't ever since the Expos left Montreal. I've kind of, it's that was it for me. I was an Expos fan and uh, they lost me at that moment. <clears throat> All right. Cincinnati Reds. It was Cincinnati Reds he pitched. Any final thoughts? Uh, well, the Blue Jays are done, and the orders are just getting started. So, I'm, <laughs> there you uh, go. yeah, it's there, there was lots of positive steps in this game, and the, the end result is like totally 100% frustrating. But the uh, uh, the performance of the team was night and day, way, way, way better. Yeah, yeah. it's just the thing in hockey. You're going to lose some games that you deserve to win. Uh, but it doesn't seem like you win that many games that you deserve to lose, as the Orders did on uh, Wednesday night. So here we are, 1-2. Yeah. Sigh. Sigh. Yeah, I'm just correcting my uh, game story. I had Hoglander scoring the winning goal, but of course it was Sam yeah. Lafferty. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, Studnika, Jack Studnika that scored a goal, he's an answer to a trivia question. He is the draft pick Boston got for uh, executive compensation for Peter Shirelli. So he didn't uh, score for Boston, but he scored a huge goal for uh, against the Oilers tonight. Still upset about that. <laughs> Shirelli had been fired, man. He'd been fired. 
they picked up and saved Boston his, his salary for like four or five years. And somehow they owed him a second round pick. Yeah, real. I think we need a segment on the show. <laughs> Bruce's, Bruce's ancient grievances uh-huh. about the Oilers. We can delve into 1972 to present. <laughs> <laughs> we can delve into one. I've got lots of grievances too, but... Um, mm-hmm. Jack Stodnicko, yeah. man, he burned us tonight. That's why I mentioned him. I mean, I just watched for stuff to happen and stuff happened. Yeah. Still not happy. <sighs> who do they play next, Bruce? Uh, who do they play next? They go on the road and they play in Philly and the two-game roadie. I think the second game's in Philly and I'm just, I'm sort of Vancouver, 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 Vancouver this last while especially counting the preseason and here's edmonton down at the bottom of the standings and their schedule is uh at nashville on tuesday at philly on thursday then home against winnipeg next saturday all right then they play one more road game and then they have a long four game homestand over like a 10 day span because I got the heritage classic in there so they got like buffers between the games so they're uh, it's going to be slow going it's only eight games in October well they better get winning mm. we're going to we're going to get even crabbier all right Bruce thanks for talking tonight thanks for listening everyone and in the meantime and in between times this has been another edition of the cult of hockey podcast <laughs>